2: welcome to on the bench i am your host for today's episode brendan Sinone, joined by christopher knee we're going to go back and forth for a few minutes here on our observations of tour of duty chris and i were awake bright and early this morning <coughs> unlike some people <coughs> zach <coughs> um yeah so we're just going to kind of go over observations just kind of running off of our you know, our thoughts uh here and yeah, we'll be in and out on this portion of it. Uh, we hopefully that, that's what entices you guys to listen to this episode. But what will keep you around listening throughout the entirety of it is on the back end of it, we have an in depth interview with new FSU quarterback coach, Tony Tokars. That's already been recorded. I can say, for a matter of fact, that I think it's a very good podcast and an interview that Tony is very insightful, opens up on his journey, uh, gives some good insight into FSU's current quarterbacks as well. So stick around for that, Chris yes just one. First off you want to make fun of zach with me no 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 zach's all good it happens to the best of us he's dead to me um so first off your initial impression like if i could say you only had one takeaway one thing that you had to to give to our listeners your words of wisdom from this very brief snippet of tour of duty what is it they know what they're supposed to be doing interesting do I need to explain that? How so? Yeah, let's let's, let's
3: delve, I, in. let's delve I, into well, that. I'm basing that off of the view of the last time we got to see Tour of Duty was two years ago. Thanks, pandemic. Um, and in that case, you could tell it was new. The approach was different. There was a lot of explaining. Just what comes with a new group of people together, with one another, coaches and players. With this group, because you have players who have been through it for two years or for a year, because you have a lot of continuity with a staff. It was just a matter of it seemed to be very streamlined. And I I think uh, strength and conditioning coach Josh Storms, who gave us a very good 10-minute interview after it wrapped up today, I think he even said that. was kind of a matter of fact of there's a lot less uh, coaching of tour of duty going on. It's more we're there to do the work, we get the work done, and it's good. And I, I think that's true. And I think that's something that Mike Norvell has stressed throughout the program, that as they are evolving as a program that the work becomes more
2: ingrained into their DNA. Kind of going off that, Chris, another observation that I think is noteworthy, orange jerseys, orange means bad. How many players were in orange today? Uno. Uno, just one. Uh, I don't want to name names here. It wasn't someone who is going to be a high-impact player more than likely. Uh, Comparatively, how many people roughly were in orange jerseys two years ago? Five or well, six. I can
3: think of two significant players that we thought were going to be the leaders of that team, a certain DTAC one, won a wide receiver who were that day. So that was probably a bad omen for what was to come. You know, And there and, were and, more. I just remember those two specifically.
2: At that time, I remember thinking, this is just probably being optimistic with new coaching staff, and you're like, you know, they're, they're probably just trying to light a fire under Tomorian Terry and, and Marvin Wilson. In hindsight, like those two guys, for various reasons, didn't really click the way Uh, you would have hoped they would have with the new coaching staff and and maybe in hindsight that was more an indictment on leadership or buy into the current your regime's vision than anything so that wasn't evident today that the guys who are supposed to be leaders were leading from the front and you know, culturally, Chris, I know we talk about this and it could be overblown. It is a program that's moving in the right direction from a cultural standpoint. Now, whether that yeah. leads to enough wins to get the marquee talent that you need at a program like Florida State to keep on keeping on, that's two different discussions. But, but culturally, yeah. it is in a better place than it was a few years ago.
3: And physically, it is, too. That's another thing I came away from today. It's, it, there's still a ways to go in that regard. But guys that you expect to be first team, guys that you expect to be dependable depth, it looks a lot better than it did two years ago from a physical standpoint, from a body type standpoint, things of that sort. Now, there's still some dead weight on that roster, and there's still some guys who you're just not expecting a whole lot from or certainly don't look the part. So there is still some of that that has to be pushed down and replaced. But as they've leaned on the transfer portal, as well as having guys in here that they've been able to develop over a two, three year period, there, there's more of what you think they're looking for versus what you don't want to see on a football roster
2: yeah even as we were like talking about this afterwards chris and i got a quick breakfast as we put out uh content on those 24 7 you could check that out now chris did a five players who impressed and then another five players uh who were what was the word what did we use chris intrigued intrigued who intrigued and you ended up naming like 20 players and cheating. Yeah, I bit. cheated
3: a little bit. There's some, you know, transfer wide receivers where I talk about three or freshman DBs where I talk about two. Yeah,
2: mm. so yeah, it's a very, it's a very, a very, very ish approach. I'm just not of an accountant. I know how to do things with numbers. Fudge, fudge the numbers so that I, I did a more of a rundown, which is kind of what we're going to be doing now here on the podcast of, of all of our observations. Uh, but my point being is Chris and I were talking and I asked him, I said, who are guys who just look like they absolutely definitively in this small window with that context didn't belong? And I think we can only think of one or two guys that are just like, eh, it doesn't look like, doesn't look right. doesn't mean that, you know, this entire roster is going to be good. Uh, it just means I don't, I don't think there were a ton of guys who were out of place. And I think that's important, too, as you talk about depth and kind of overhauling the roster. Uh, maybe two years ago, there were about five to ten guys who just didn't look like they were, forget power five level players, like maybe even FBS caliber. Yeah. There were some some revisionist history there, too.
3: There were some February bodies in there, guys, that they've certainly asked to bulk up who are a little heavy right now in the sense of they can trim that up, but they want them to get heavier, and then they kind of work them backwards. And then there's some other guys that you can see that they're taking to strength and conditioning and they're filling into their frames more. Derek McClendon's a guy we're going to talk about. He certainly looks like he's bought into that much more, and he was praised by uh, Josh Storms for physically and mentally buying in better uh there were other guys that you just see kind of nat- natural progression going on where they've been here for a year george wilson he didn't look drastically different but he
2: certainly looks like a guy that's put some muscle on a very skinny frame so let's go i'm trying to think of how because I, I don't want to go through every single note that we have you guys can check that out notes 24 7 i want our subscribers to have some level of exclusivity there uh so it'll be a little bit more surface level here but i i think still informative I'll start off with this, Chris, and I get your thoughts. Uh, the person who impressed me the most, the guy who I just thought jumped out, who I just kind of kept gravitating towards watching his body language, the way he was moving, uh, this is going to be a super flashy name, but but I think it's important, and that's Robert Cooper. Uh, what did you see from, from Big Coop? I know you were watching him a little bit with me, and you were kind of more looking at the other side of the field, though, too. Did he stand up to you as much as he did to me?
3: Uh, I think you liked him a bit more than me on the day. I did not not like him. I just didn't gravitate to him as you did, but I mean, he's a 340 pound man who handled himself perfectly fine in something where he's being pushed really hard and we're a month into doing tour of duty. So some guys start wearing down after a while. He doesn't look that way. He certainly looks fully acclimated to the idea of what he's supposed to be doing. He looks to be in the best shape of his FSU playing career. I thought the best thing about Coop was that he went as hard from the second we walked in the mm-hmm. door to the last second we were watching and, You know, there's times where guys improve on a day. Azirier Thomas, for example, I thought got better as the day went on. There's other guys that start real hot, but then kind of have an adrenaline dump and struggle down a stretch or just start running out of gas or not feeling great on a day that happens. Coop was consistent from beginning to end, and that's a positive. And that's certainly something you want to see from an upperclassman, a leader of a position, a guy that you expect to be a dependable column of that side of the ball.
2: And the thing that stood out to me most, Chris, with that in mind, is like, he was winning drills with guys who were about 300 pounds lighter than him, and he was consistently winning. And if there was a drill that he didn't like the way he finished, he'd get mad at himself. Uh, there was one point where Mike Norvell came over to him because he was bending over to, to to catch his breath. Norvell was like, you know, hands up, chest up, don't, don't bend over, um, get more oxygen this way. And, and it's just funny, like, you could tell Norvell was watching Coop very closely because I think he's ident- – my interpretation of that is that he's identifying Cooper as someone who's going to be a, a standard setter this year, someone who he's going to be, have to push because that's going to be emblematic of other guys. Other guys are going to follow Cooper. He wants him to be a leader. And, and so that's just what I took away from from watching Coop move around. Uh, that's what stuck out to me. Who, who, for you, Chris, maybe you could boil it down to just one guy who just really, really, you kept you kept finding yourself watching the way he was moving or, or the way he was leading, operating, whatnot.
3: I'll admit Johnny Wilson's a guy who I kind of struggled to pull myself away from watching. He's just so long and lanky and fairly athletic for being long and lanky. It it just stands out. It's uh he's as tall as any offensive lineman out there. He's the tallest guy on the field, six seven. And he just kind of grabs you. He's not a freak of an athlete, but he's a good athlete for being that long and that lanky. You know, Deuce Span's more athletic of the two transfer receivers. I kind of wrote about that when talking about those two. But Wilson, you just you kind of just keep noticing that your eyes catching them. It's sort of like when there's a big guy or a really small guy on the field, but they fit, they belong, they do things, they do things at a high level, you tend to gravitate towards that. And that that happened with me with Wilson.
2: It's funny, like his change of direction didn't blow me away, but the actual just like foot speed, the ability to accelerate, I thought was for for that size, the footwork, like, oh, there's there's something Long, there. And, long strides yes very much so um with a little bit of of power in in those steps uh had gotten some intel the other day that he's someone that's had a really nice generally tour of duty and looks the part so keep an eye on him as as a potential breakout guy uh let's keep it on the newcomers chris just generally let's go over both the transfers the freshmen uh i guess who stood out positively to you among the what 20 20 newcomers, is that where we're at?
3: Yeah, I think Storms used a number of 45 guys going through their first winter conditioning. About 20 of those are guys who just arrived here in January. Um, from that freshman group, for me, it goes back to the freshman DBs. I thought McCall and Thomas both looked good. McCall's a guy coming off an injury that limited his ability in the Under Armour game. He had, I believe, one the ankles was a little taped up for him today, but in general, he looked healthy, moving real well. He's a really, really fluid athlete, knew that of him from his high school games and high school film, but it, it translated to that field, just watching him bend, turn corners, explode, things like that. He's just kind of naturally there. And I like AZ Thomas a lot. He's a kid that I'm kind of willing to bet on, and he did nothing today to back me off of my early opinion of him. Uh, other newcomers transfer-wise, Jared Verse stands out. He's a big kid. He's only listed at like 250-something. I swear to God he's bigger than that. He certainly looks bigger than that. Caden Lyle still fully embodying the I'm a strength and conditioning assistant coach look. Uh, moved fine. You know, he, he, we know what he is on film, where he's a guy that's very good straight ahead, decent enough pulling. Watching him in tour of duty, things that translate to those two ideas, it held true for what we saw on film. Uh, but he, learned, he looked perfectly fine for a guy who's had a lot of reconstruction in his lower half during his collegiate career. Um, we talked a little about but the transfer receivers. Pittman didn't do anything in particular that jumped out at me, but did notice Wilson, as I mentioned. And then with Deuce Span, he's just kind of – the athleticism's there. Like, th- there are some tools there. It's got to translate being more as a position player, but – the athleticism is an intriguing thing about him. It's why he fell into that category for me. Um, those are the ones that come to mind for me immediately. Oh, and Tatum Bethune was another one. I I feel real good about what he's going to bring to that linebacker group. I think he's a guy that's going to steal a lot of reps from guys who are returning here.
2: I think as we keep seeing more and hearing more about Tatum Bethune becoming increasingly clear, like he's probably not going to be the backup linebacker. He will very likely start. Uh, among the other new guys, I'm sure I think there's anyone else. Did you mention Bishop Thomas? I thought he was like the third freshman. I did not. He wasn't like, I I thought McCall, and it's going to make sense, like freshman defensive backs are probably going to be better equipped for this type of uh, agility and conditioning, mat drill type of stuff than you know 300-pound true freshman. You're just acclimating to a totally different level of conditioning. But we saw some guys in that category who just really faded as the day went on. I thought Bishop Thomas, for someone who hasn't played football in a while, um, a little bit sawed off. I kind of had the body of like True Thompson, but quicker feet. Uh, is what I thought and moved well, more agility. So he's someone I'm intrigued by. I want to see what happens when he puts the pads on, but someone I'm gonna keep an eye on among the newcomers. Uh anyone else? Anyone else? Uh Micah Pittman. Did we mention Micah? I
3: um, mentioned that he didn't really comparatively flash. to Wilson and Span, he didn't jump out at me as much as those guys. He's a good athlete. We know that the film shows that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I'm not worried about Micah Pittman that he didn't do anything today where I was like, Eee. But he, just, uh, he, he didn't just, do anything where it jumped down at
2: me. Either. He's just shorter, I think, is, you know, so he's a little bit, oh, I don't want,
3: am I, am I allowed to talk you're about? You're going to use saw it sure. off, but now you're, you're a little scared to use these words after that message board fiasco you started. Um, together. You
2: know what? What you think
3: of AJ Duffy's size today?
2: I think he's somewhere between a Gino English and a Jordan Travis height-wise. Does that really matter that much for three message board uh, thread or pages? No. But is that a fact? Yes.
3: All right, well, you get in your feelings here. I'm going to bring up the other point. The other thing that stood out to me today is because it's kind of your first viewing of the team since last season concluded was the return of guys that we didn't get to see a whole lot of last year. Josh Burrell, who got banged up early. I mean, Burrell's tip-top, physical shape kind of guy, really impressive. Another guy that was praised by Josh Storms afterwards today. Byron Turner looks good. Patrick Payton, I thought, looked good. He wasn't hurt last year, but – You know, We've kind of talked about the need for a fifth DN to step up to be a 13-second team pusher. Mm -hmm. I think Peyton and Turner both can be in that conversation. Thomas Schrader, who missed a vast majority of last year, you always worry with bigger body guys when they get hurt. Are they going to stay in any kind of good shape? Are they going to struggle with that? Schrader looked good. I don't want to over-embellish that. He looked fine today. looked like a guy that spring will do him good as far as getting back in the conditioning and shape, but he looked fine today for moving around at that speed for the first time in several months that we got to see. That was some of the other stuff I observed. There were there were some guys, and we're not going to talk about them, but who were available today who, you know, we expect to be contributors on this team. So we're looking forward to seeing them get back out there. We'll get out there for spring ball.
2: Oh, you went to so known there with the running out of breath. Um, Dennis Briggs, I just want to say. Yep, he's another banged up guy. That yeah, good. yep. And if – I think we're still like, as we're going with a Jermaine Johnson barometer of like this guy from Georgia comes in and looks apart. And that's what you like, if where you ultimately want to get to is if you FSU, do you want to get back to competing for a national championship guys who like could crack say that a Georgia too deep. I think Dennis Briggs looks like someone who would, would take snaps at Georgia not start, but like, okay, that's what it needs to look like. He's well-built big frame moves. Well, despite coming off an injury, uh, apparently I, th- I think he squatted. Well, I, I think he was one of the guys who squatted well, uh, during the squat party I, I just that's someone i think that's a building block for you this year and i think that's very clear and very evident just watching him move you know remove from the injury i was really encouraged to see dennis briggs moving around so that's another another guy who who is was encouraging um buyer sanone you ready for
3: this i'm a rare i'm a rare participant in this so i'm gonna throw this out malcolm ray might turn out to be the best willie taggart signing
2: Uh well dennis briggs was technically a willie taggart signing um so I don't think I, I'm going to say no. I don't think Malcolm Ray will be the best. Ray looks good though. Black Asante, Asante Samuel was a Willie Taggart sign. You have to yeah, redefine, he? You're gonna hey. redefine. You're going to redefine. You're going to have to redefine guys who are not being recruited by the previous staff and only Malcolm years. Ray
3: was a guy wholeheartedly recruited by Willie Taggart and his staff.
2: A year ago, this time I think Chris and I were about to sell on Malcolm Ray being a contributor here if he didn't step it up, and he stepped it up. To be fair, and he was wearing a black jersey today. And um, just from the engagement work ethic standpoint, like you could see why, like he's someone who's pushing guys and and having fun, smiling, running around really good to see.
3: You, you watch guys, especially newcomers, second year guys, guys going through it for the first time. And a lot of times you can tell they're trying to go fast and hard, but they're also thinking a lot. Then you watch some guys who have done it a lot and they're not thinking at all. They're just pushing through it, going fast, going as hard as possible. Mm -hmm. Robert Cooper fits that today. Malcolm Ray felt a lot more towards Robert Cooper today when a lot of times in practice settings in the past, he was much more on the other end of the spectrum. So I just I think that's a very, very good sign. I, just, I was pleased to see Ray in black today, and I thought he lived up to the fact that he was wearing black going into the day. Sometimes you get black and you swing off. Like, for example, the guy wearing orange today, and I'm not going to name him because he doesn't deserve to be named. I thought he put forth a very good effort for a guy who was wearing orange. So the motivation probably worked in his case.
2: Someone else who was wearing black today, that I think, is particularly noteworthy. So the, the other two were Tate Rotemaker, In addition, to Malcolm Rose, was Tate Rotemaker, uh, which, when you listen to the Tony Tokars interview after this, uh, you'll know why he he was praised quite a bit for the work he's put in this off season. But the guy that I wanted to highlight here, real quick, Chris, is Renardo Green, and I highlight him because you know, intel that that I got, we got at after the season, was Renardo might be a guy who's like he's going to go through his spring practices and and this would be it. Uh, for him if he doesn't turn it around if he's not buying and if he's not seeing that there's playing time for him and it, it, he's been pushed and he's responded so he's wearing a black jersey he seems to be healthy now knock on wood that's been a big thing with him is he just hasn't been healthy and i think that's struggled to have him be engaged with his teammates uh, josh storm's kind of implied as much today that's just he seems to be a little bit more i guess quote unquote bought in uh, a little more engaged and he's wearing a black jersey today and, and again that's re- the you see that black Jersey you wear it on the day and then you follow through with it. And it's reflective of the work you're putting in. He's finishing drills. He's winning drills consistently. Someone who just seems to be uh, performing at a high level physically. And that's a game changer, you know, before this, before spring practice starts on Saturday, Chris, I'll probably do like a, like a wild card, a list of guys who are wild cards this spring uh, who who could maybe really shake things up on the depth chart. If they, if they break out a little bit, he's one, like if, if he's healthy and engaged, that's a game changer because he can start for you at multiple spots and changes the complexion of your secondary if healthy, if engaged, and that was good to see. So one one lot, guy throw lot, praise. Uh, Sorry, I've given a lot, of, a lot of a lot of Kool Aid is all I'm saying that we're we're throwing on the fans here today. One guy I'd throw praise in a
3: similar manner on is Trayshawn Ward. I thought he was vocally, physically, actively the best leader I saw on the field today. Mm-hmm. Clapping it up, pushing guys to finish, pushing guys when they were going through the reps with him. I just thought it was a good sign. Ward's never been a guy we've been concerned with. You know, he battles every rep, so he's trying to earn a scholarship again. But I thought it was good to see it a little more outwardly from him today. Hey,
2: was Lawrence Philly? we would gotten some more that, like, he was putting up really good strength numbers and whatnot. He didn't look a lot bigger, though, uh, as far as I could tell. Lawrence is kind of tough to
3: tell because he's a bit tall and slender. Filled Lengthy, with the yeah. shoulders the way they are. I didn't look at him and think, man, he's changed a ton. Like McClendon, it popped. You, you yeah. could look at him and he looked different. I didn't see that with LT. I didn't think LT looked as slight as he once did in his career, but I also didn't think he looked mon- like a monstrosity.
2: In a good way. Um should we piss on people's like cereal here? Should we should we drain on their parade a little bit or just should we just keep it all with the 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 happy, like good stuff? Like I, I mean, they're I just always feel bad when we do this, Chris, because we, we focus on the positive, which is good, um, and we don't the want to be negative. Is that
3: there are still positions where – I feel like FSU starting 22 is capable of being pretty good. I feel like their depth, as far as a second team, is capable of being decent. I feel like there's parts of the second team where it falls off a cliff, and I feel like with the third team, it is off a cliff. I think okay. that's the best way I can put it. The depth of the team is still not as great as you would love it to be. 22 players, pretty good. 44 players, decent enough. After 44, it falls off a cliff. I guess that's the best way I can put it. But with the portal the way it is these days, it doesn't matter as much as looking at development of a team through the years within what you have in the program now as it once did. It used to be this junior is going to play, this sophomore is the next guy up, and hopefully this freshman can become that. It's no longer that. If the junior is really good and goes pro, you can go to portal and try to get a guy to replace them. So, you know, I mean, heck, look at our DNs this year. It's probably going to yeah. be a guy who was a D tackle last year and a guy who was a DN at Albany last year. That's what you do now. So I don't view it in the same spectrum I may have done so
2: five years ago, and certainly not what I did 10 years ago. I think I, yeah. I mean, I think from top to bottom, the roster is better placed than it was previously. I think there are some position groups where you just kind of be like, eh, just physically doesn't look quite, and I understand this is one day of multiple practices, not in pads. So it's not a a full revealing glimpse into the program. But I think I thought the offensive line still like, I mean, I thought Darius Washington moved well. I thought Caden Lyles looked like a grown man. Dylan Gibbons is going to be what Dylan Gibbons is, you know, solid what he is. Um, Smith looked like they're trying to put some weight on him, which is good. Uh, but for the most part, I just there's not a like they've been wanting to get seven or eight guys they trust for this office a lot. I physically I didn't see oh there's there's ten guys that they can pick from right now before they even put pads on who look the part of like high end even serviceable power five offensive alignment I think that room's still thinner than I'd feel comfortable with going into the spring. So that's my that's my. A glimpse of reality. I just want to try to be balanced here. If we hyped everything up and and be a little transparent and some things that I didn't love seeing today, but again, one day, one fraction of of this puzzle piece. So, anything else before we get out of here, Chris, and go to the Tony interview? No, nope. let our man Tony talk. All right, take a quick commercial break. On the other side, we'll have Tony tow cars. Uh, talk to you guys later.
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
2: Hello, Chris. Hi, Brennan. Hi. You're always so nice when we have a special guest on. And a special guest, the other person joining us, the man of, I was going to say the hour for the next 30 minutes or so, that's Tony Tokars, FSU's new quarterback coach. Tony, welcome to On the Bench. How are you doing today,
1: sir? I'm doing great. appreciate you all having me on.
2: For sure. Happy to have you on. Uh I said new quarterback coach, but it's been a couple a couple months so far. You've settled it at this point. Uh, how has the transition been from, from being an analyst to now you're you're running a room yourself?
1: It's it's been uh it's been fun. Um it's been fast. We hit the ground running and everything, just obviously getting right into recruiting and um it's it's been good though. I mean, I'm I'm lucky to do it at a place like Florida State with a great group of guys here on staff with with players that are fun to coach. And, and, and it makes my job, it makes my job what it is. It makes my job special.
2: Yeah. Hey, a quick buyer Sunone for you. I don't know if you can see my bourbon collection behind me. Would, would you buy or Sunone it uh, based on, based on what you can see? Oh, some old I, Forrester over there. Some by- I,
1: Oh, I hear you. You got a little old Forester up there. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> let's go.
2: That's a buy. All right. That's so, a buy. So, all right. Let, let's start off here, Tony. When you were a quarterback, uh, can you give us a scouting report? Like, if you were evaluating, if you can go back in time and evaluate yourself as a, a prep prospect and going to the college level, what would your scouting report on, on your your younger self be?
1: Oh man, <laughs> I don't know. So for me, okay, relative to to the 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 level I played, um, was your dual threat quarterback could extend plays, uh, push the ball downfield. Um, made questionable decisions at times. Um, <laughs> hard to co- No, just if, if, no. I, I I don't know, man. That's I can't evaluate myself. Um, I do know this: that if I ever get the chance to coach myself, I probably. I mean, I'd be like Coach Harville. I'd have all gray right now. <laughs> <laughs> what
3: you did as a quarterback, what you've seen yeah. as a quarterback's coach here in recent years, and over the last decade of coaching. Do you have a prototype quarterback in your head? Like when you're looking at a kid or developing kid or trying to find the next quarterback, is there a type that you look for?
1: The, the game has changed so much in the last 10, 15, 20 years where like, if you asked me that question, even when I was coming out and playing, right. Like in 10 or 15 years ago, whatever it was, the answer was, okay, you're a six, three plus 225 pound guy that, You you know what I mean? You got a, you got a big arm. You can push the ball downfield. Um, not necessarily a runner. Right. Um, I don't, I, I, I wouldn't say that I have a guy that is just like, Hey, like this is the quarterback that we need to recruit all the time. I think it's a plus when a guy has the ability to extend plays with his legs, um, to kind of be that eraser. Right. Just because in football, things happen. Right. So can he get you out of trouble? Um, I think a a trait or or characteristic that you can see on film, but more so just as you develop relationships with a kid is, is he tough and is he a leader? Because I think those two things come hand in hand too. Um, Naturally, if you have some toughness to you, there's some element of leadership, whether that's, that's vocal, whether that's just doing the work and being the example. Um, I, I think that those two traits just, kind of away from the physical side um, are things that are important in the evaluation of a quarterback. And then, I mean, the other thing too is like there's an element of calculated risk to the position, right? So does he take the right risk at the right time? You know a couple situations like this past year, like Jordan throws a a slot fade to Jakai Douglas against um, Miami. He hit basically the same play against Notre Dame earlier in the year too. And that's, that is calculated risk. Cause he had some other options on that play too, but that is calculated risk at that moment at, at that time in that game, that was the right thing to do, you know? Um, so I think having that, that, that balance is important. Um, and obviously the, the throwing the football, the accuracy part of it. I mean, those, those are, those are obvious things right there. I mean, big arm, um, the ability to locate it. And what I mean by that is, can he place the football away from defenders? Does he give guys the chance to, 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 to run after the catch? Um, not just necessarily throwing completions, right? Like just where's the placement of that ball for the completion or even the incompletion. So
3: in the evaluation process, guys, and like I remember talking to you last year at the summer camp when you guys had the quarterbacks in and you said you love that because you guys do a lot of on-field work with them, but you also do a lot of, uh, kind of sitting in the room, whiteboard, seeing how they process, how they talk, yeah. how they see things. Yeah. When you're diving into that, how enjoyable is that for
1: you as a guy who played the position, and now coaches the position? It's fun because you get to see you get to see the the young quarterback mind at work a little bit, right? And the thing that's pretty cool is obviously we haven't had this chance yet at at Florida State just because of COVID and, and everything, just getting kids onto campus consistently in doing these camps but um like it was pretty cool at memphis when we did these camps you'd you'd bring a guy back a guy would come back a year later and you get to see that growth and that development and everything and the thing that's even a little i'm getting goosebumps thinking about it is the thing that's even more rewarding is when they come back and they they're all fired up because they did something that that you taught them they applied something whether it was on the field or in the classroom or whatever it is so you you know you you hit in some, some aspect right there. Like you had some impact in that kid's life, um, whether it was in football or not, but um, the board stuff is, is great though, just because I think the younger that you can get a quarterback on the board and start doing that and developing that comfort level, the better. Cause I mean, you'd be surprised how many guys even when they get to the college level, it's like, they've never been asked to go up on the board, draw circles, drop a defense, not just tell you what they're supposed to do, but tell you what the big picture is and everything. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool though
2: with that in mind, Tony, like when you're evaluating quarterbacks, like how much when you first started in the industry, like has information that you're getting changed, whether it's analytics, whether it's just the amount of people you can talk to, to get background information, like has that, has that really grown as much as we've been led to believe in the past, like 10, 15 years?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's the, the, the analytical part of it. First off is absolutely, it is amazing. You guys would be, I wish I could show you guys the, the amount of information that gets put out there from various different places. Um, I mean, different schools have different ways of of utilizing that resource. Um, I mean, as far as re- from the, from the recruiting side of it, the amount of um, not services, but just like different, um, different people out there that, that, that are able to help facilitate those opportunities and then quarterback trainers. I mean, that's like a, that's a big deal. Now there's these guys all over the country that that's all they do. I mean, and some of them have had, um, tremendous success because they've sent guys to the NFL and then their brand gets put out there and then other NFL guys want to come back and train with them. And, and then that trickles down then it becomes, okay, the college kids train with them and the high school kids train with them. And, um, so just that, that industry alone has, has really opened up. A, a totally different pathway to recruiting quarterback than was out there even 5 years ago um but it's it's pretty amazing just the the changes in in the profession both football wise and recruiting wise um it's constantly evolving it's constantly changing
2: so when you you told the story during your your media session with us uh, a couple of weeks back. We got to speak to all the local beat writers about your kind of ascension as a coach and uh, your path, basically to, to coach Norvell. And he took over at Memphis. You're with him for a little bit, and you said I was a little antsy. I wanted to go and get an on-field job, and you did that. What, what Tony drew you back to say, okay, I want to come back and work for Coach Norvell. It was a year or so later.
1: So initially, my initial impression of Coach. Was like wow, this guy is is super intense. This guy is like a high, high, high caliber person. Not even just football wise, right? And I just I wanted to be associated with that. I wanted to touch that, right? Um, and whether it's true or not, like you always like to see the good in people and and how you, it, it it associates to you, right? And I was like, I want to be elite at what I do. I have to be around other elite people. And, I mean, him as a person, the football part is the obvious thing. Like, that dude is – it's crazy. I mean, how, how smart he is, how fast he processes. Um, it's impressive and, and, and how innovative he is within the game. Um, so, to, to come back, it was a no-brainer just because, I mean, if you want to be really good at something, be with, be with people that share that same vision and, and, and push in that same direction. So, How quickly
3: did you realize that about him?
1: almost almost immediately you know I mean some people just have that that it you know um I didn't get the chance to um obviously no coach as well as I know now in that short period of time before I had left but um I had worked to to maintain that relationship still even when I left Memphis just because you never this is a crazy profession you never know where 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 it's going to lead you and um then I, then I got the chance to actually go back in the summer and work the quarterback camp. Um, this was the year in between. I was working there and at, a, at another school and just working the quarterback camp with them and watching the detail that he put in to the position and, and just, just the camp too. Like I'm not talking about getting ready to play a game. I mean, the detail and the drive and the focus that he had just in a two day camp. Like I was like, all right, like this is, this is, this is the guy I want to do this with. Um, so here I am now.
2: Coaching
3: isn't a profession that allows a whole lot of downtime for reflection and such. Have yeah. you ever taken a moment and thought about basically your 10 year journey? You started at Anna Maria, I believe, in 2012. Yeah. You're at FSUD stays quarterbacks coach 10 years later. Do you ever kind of take that in and think about it or have you not just afforded yourself the time it takes to do such a thing?
1: I, I could be a, sound like a big, tough guy and say, I never think about it. Right. But I have, I mean, that's just reality. Um, and it's, it's cool and it's unique. And I think about just the opportunities that I've had and how they've come about. Um, people always ask her like, Hey man, like you're 31 years old, like you're quarterbacks coach at Florida state. That's pretty awesome. How'd you do it? Um, and when I think back and I reflect, it's like, At the end of the day, you keep your head down and work, treat people the right way, um, try and be around other good people. um, And the the, the rest kind of takes care of itself because if, if you get, if you do the work, if people can trust you um, and they know that, that you actually truly care about them, whether it's players and or coaches or whatever that relationship is, generally speaking, you're going to be successful at, at whatever that is. You know what I mean? So, um it's been fun. It's been a unique journey, but um I'm I'm pretty fortunate and excited to where it's led me so far.
3: Who instilled that blue collar type of approach to you? Was it a coach along the way, a parent? Uh, who do you kind of credit with the way you approach the daily effort you have to put yeah. in to be where you're at?
1: Uh I'd say it started with my mom, to be honest with you. I'm a I'm a mama's boy. Um I mean, she was she was one of six, she was an army brat um came from that that regimented um lifestyle if you will um her father passed at a young age and she was the youngest of six and her older brothers had kind of started to go away and work and do their own thing. So she's still at that point, I think like four other siblings where she's like, hey, I'm I'm gonna be the adult when when I need to, you know, um and and just that type of work and that type of mentality and that type of care factor i guess is is where it started with me, and then i'd say, um probably my my quarterbacks coach in college uh devin gates um he's a he's a guy that he he pushed me to the point like at certain times where I did not like him very much and 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 I even had to have those real talks with myself, like hey, am I good enough to do this? you know Um, but he wanted to, to fuel that he, that was a spark he was trying to get because he was trying to push me to that brink. So then I knew I could get to a certain point. And I mean, it's, it's amazing how much your body can do if you just control your mind. Um, and, and that was kind of coach Gates, uh, influence on me, but, um, I've been lucky just to be around good people that, that care and they genuinely want to see me be successful and they want to push me. So. I've been lucky in that sense. And, um, it's been, it's been fun. All
2: right, t- time for my favorite, favorite topic. I'm the president yeah. of the Jordan Travis fan club. So let's, let's talk a J Trav action. Uh, may right, not be the, I mean, Kenny Dillingham might be the president. You might be the president too. Uh, VP, he, I don't know a where PR
1: agent. You're, yeah, PR. To, uh, You're a PR. Go ahead. How about it. Let's, let's talk.
2: I, I asked Kenny for like a fourth and 14 shirt when he was on his way out and he was like, nah, no, we're good. I have it all. So all good right. So, so Jordan Travis has been a, just such an interesting story to me, Tony, because I mean, I I was critical of him when I saw him, his first couple practices here and through like he yeah. had a good spring game, but there were practices where the wind was like kicking his butt. And I just, I didn't think he had it when you first saw him. I know Tony or I know uh, Kenny, excuse me, has talked about this before. And that's that, like he thought it was crazy that there were people out there who thought Jordan couldn't play quarterback at this level. What were your early impressions of J Trav and, and I guess guess uh, what's it been like to kind of see his journey and his, his progress the last couple of
1: years? Jordan was, it was, it was unique because when, when we came in, um, I think at that point in time, James had taken the majority of the snaps. Um, and then Jordan was kind of just quietly working not, let, not letting people know about it. You know what I mean? Just kind of um, doing a little bit of the dirty work in the dark, if you will. And and so as we continued to grow him and he, he learned our system and our expectation for things, he would show these flashes of being really good um, at what we were asking him to do. Um, and then he'd show some flashes where it was like, what just happened? You know what I mean? Just, just to be real, honey. <laughs> um, his growth has been impressive because, I mean, you alluded to it earlier. There's a pretty good deal of, of negativity around him, um, at one point at the position and just to have that stick to itness, if you will, mm-hmm. um, and just push through it and persevere through that. And, um, just continue to work on his craft. I mean, he's done a pretty remarkable job just transforming himself into more of a, a a complete passer. Obviously he's not a finished product. Um, and we got plenty we can still polish up. Um, but he's bottom line is, is he's putting in the work and has the care factor to, to, to get better and to be an elite quarterback.
2: When did you see things starting to kind of, and I understand it's been, gradual Tony but like when did you think yeah. things start to so for me like watching him against UNC this past year yeah. there was this body language difference I'm like oh that that is a different player when did you see that you see you're seeing much, obviously much closer and more and often yeah. than I am when, when did you see that change and shift for him
1: so um the first flash of it if mm-hmm. you will, of, of that change in my mind came against um 2020 Jacksonville State he throws um I think it was I can't remember if it was Keyshawn or if it was Pokey that caught it but he basically threw a big boy post um a throw that probably a lot of people didn't expect expect him to be able to make obviously we did we wouldn't have called the play if we didn't think (laughs) um and so he completes this relatively hard throw to 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 complete and something I think he just grew that confidence. I mean, he did it in dope Campbell and he he gave himself the belief that he could do it. And, um, and just kind of from, from there, there was, there were small little gains. And then, like you said, the North Carolina game, um, even like the North Carolina game in 2020, I mean, he was doing some stuff in that game, just, just operating, playing quarterback, getting us into good plays um, and helping us be efficient. And, that's been kind of the 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 baseline now for him to improve and get better if you will because I mean the kid is he's a he's a special talent physically um mentally processes the game well um now it's like hey the 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 consistency and and doing both and putting that together is what's gonna help him take that next step so that's my job and 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 that's what we're gonna we're going to focus on the spring. It's just the consistency for them. I mean, footwork wise, um, and then just processing why we're doing something um, and executing it efficiently and the way we want it done.
2: You mentioned that there those areas. There's still room to grow. We've seen consistent growth, and there's still the, that next level. What What do you think is ultimate like upside? Like what could what would a finished product of Jordan Travis, in your estimation, look like?
1: It'd be scary. I mean, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say anything, but let's just say it would be, it could be very scary because you're talking about a guy that has elite mobility, right? Whether, whatever that mobility is, whether that's running for a 70 yard touchdown or just extending a play in the pocket, right. And giving us a chance to get open downfield too. Um, you're talking about a guy that, that can truly push the ball downfield. I mean, I don't think people realize how strong his arm actually is. Um, so you ha- you take those two elite skill sets and you put them together, and then continue to grow them from the mental side of it, and just continuing continuing to to put us in a position offensively to be successful. I mean, that kid's ceiling is it's 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 let's just say I, I I do believe that Jordan has the ability and skill set to to be an NFL quarterback. Okay, now what that is, the time will tell you know, but, um, I think it'll be, it'll be interesting. It'll be fun to see just the journey that he's on right now and the direction that he's going. I mean, it'll be fun for us to watch. Spring starts here this weekend, 15 practices. What do you want to
3: see from Tate over that stretch? What is it that he needs to do to take the next step as his own quarterback?
1: Yeah. Well, i said it a couple of times to different people this offseason. Tate has done an unbelievable, like he has crushed offseason. Um, <laughs> Done a done a really good job just with his body, um, being a leader at our mat drills and everything too, trying to trying to make people around him better. Um, Tate is is no different though than I think some of the other guys in our room in the sense that I mean it's it's the consistency because Tate has flashed having a skill set to be an elite level quarterback. Um, he's got a lot of the things that that you can't teach. I mean, he's what, six, four or whatever, big kid. Um can throw it, can locate the football. And he is deceptively athletic. I don't think people realize, I mean, you might see those videos on TikTok or whatever, him doing like backflips and everything like that, but the kid can, the kid moves very well too. Um, so I think for Tate, just the consistency and for him, to be honest with you, that's just going to come through repetition um, and just getting put in the fire a little bit more, just because, I mean, you look at his time here, he played a little bit for us and, his, his, his fresh in air and good on the field, but he really hasn't had a ton of reps when you look at it still. Um, so just being able to to take more reps and, and just be in the fire, that's going to, that's going to help grow him by itself. So it'll be interesting.
3: Do you remember when you were in the analyst role, uh, when Mike and Kenny started looking at AJ, do you remember what your initial thoughts were beyond what they were saying, why they were going to go pursue him, all of that? Do you remember what you thought just when you saw that film, maybe for the first time and really started diving into AJW?
1: Yeah. Um, You knew that he was going to be a elite level player. Um, From a very, even you look back at his young film um, in high school, he shows some polish that some young quarterbacks generally don't have. Um, Fundamentally and technique wise. I mean, it helps his dad, his dad, is a coach and everything too. But, um, but the thing that was most impressive about AJ just getting to know him through the, through the recruiting process and everything is, I mean, his, his approach and his mindset as a young quarterback, I mean, he is that, that dude has a plan. Like he, he, he knows how he wants to approach the position. I think he, he, he has a a good vision for what he wants to do with it. Um, which is impressive. He's just he, he he's mature in that sense. Um and I think it's going to ultimately help him grow and grow fast because of his approach. So, um that's another one. I mean we we got some good ones in that room and um I'm excited to be able to 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 get my hands on him a little bit more.
2: From a skill set perspective with with AJ, and I understand asking this understand that he's he's young and there's going to be room to grow. What what does stand out about his his physical tools?
1: Um his, his understanding of his eyes and feet working together. So taking a drop and being able to pace and tempos drop based off of what's going on downfield and just being able to, to move efficiently to get his body in in a good position to throw the football. Um, I know it sounds like a weird thing, but um, he kind of, he just, he practices it. he, he, he sees the game like he's one of those kids where if he's going out and playing catch, he's never just, just throwing. He's never, he's never just, just throwing to his buddy. He's seeing a play or, or he's trying to put the ball on the left shoulder or the right shoulder or, or the right eye, whatever it is. He has that detail and that, that focus and that drive within the position, but he also has fun when he does it. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. And it's, it's fun to watch. And again, I mean, I'm fired up to be able to get my hands on him more because it'll be it will be a fun one to work with for sure.
2: Uh, there was a whole controversy on Noll's 24/7 message board this week because I said that AJ Duffy was quote unquote on the smaller side. I didn't mean small; he's just an uh, inch or two below what the prototypical quarterback is. But you mentioned earlier, Tony, that like, that being six one six two isn't as big of a deal right. anymore. The what what has changed about the college game to where? guys consistently can get away without being that quote unquote prototype
1: size. Yeah, it's the the athleticism that you see on defense, especially defensive line. I mean, you're getting dudes like Jermaine Johnson. <laughs> um if, if, if you're a if you're a 6'4" oak tree quarterback like Drew Bledsoe, that's what like comes to mind all, all, all the time, I don't know why, but um you're you're a New England guy. That makes sense. It's a, it's a, it's New that's that's what it is, but um you you have to have that element of escapability um, or whatever that is, and and in my mind, with size, when size comes into into play, um, I think that there's there's a scale. So like, what where is my skill set versus what are his measurables, and how does that balance it out? I mean, if there's a kid that is six foot and he's a dynamic athlete with legitimate arm talent. I don't care that he's six foot or five, whatever it is, you know what I mean? Um, If there's a kid that is six, four and 225 pounds, whatever, like that, that whatever you think of a quarterback as being right. Like most people. Um, And he may not be as athletic. Right. But he could have unbelievable arm talent and just know he can get the ball out. Like that is um, that is the scale. That is the slide on it. Right. Like look at, Tom, Tom Brady was, is your prototypical quarterback. Right. Um, but he didn't get hit cause he got the ball out. You know what I mean? Um, other guys that might be a little bit smaller, a little bit more dual threat or whatever the case is like those guys, you also have to understand, okay, how am I going to protect myself too? Cause you're going to, you're going to find yourself in some unprotected situations if that's how you play the game at times too. Um, so I think really going back to your original question, um, how defenses have changed and then also how we're utilizing those types of athletes on offense. Um, like zone read has been like in and out of, of college football. And um, you're finding other creative ways to be able to utilize athletic quarterbacks. Um, it's also a nightmare for defenses too. If you have a quarterback that can do both, I mean, you better have somebody that accounts for him, right? Or else he's going to make you pay with his legs too. So um, just the overall evolution of the game on both sides of the ball, but especially the defensive side of the ball, I'd say.
3: I think this is the last question from the two of us, and I'm going to turn it yeah. to spring for us. You guys have, I think it's 20 newcomers that will be practicing for you in the spring between okay. transfers and uh, incoming high school types. A lot of those are offensive skills, specifically to wide receiver position. As a quarterback coach, working with your guys, how much are you looking forward to them having those new weapons, seeing what this offense might be capable of being? Because obviously there was deficiencies in that regard a season ago that held you back in some regards with offensive play calling and such. How much is a new toy feel for the offense, something that you're really looking forward to
1: over these next 15 practices? It'll be fun. Um, obviously, I haven't got to see guys do football stuff yet, right? I mean, we do. we have our mat drills and everything, mm-hmm. but – um, the work that guys have put in, <clears throat> excuse me, this off season and just, I mean, changing their bodies, even guys that, that came in mid-year, um, and they're like, wow, you guys do it a little bit different here. We, we work. Um, it's fun to see those guys grow. Um, now once the pads come on, I'll be, I'll, I'll be able to, to answer your question a little bit clearer here in a few weeks. Cause, the game is different now once you put those pads on too, but I mean, with the new guys and, and, and returners alike, the, 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 the word is consistency. I've said it several times now, this off season, um, just going out and consistently executing your job, playing smart football, not taking negatives, not shooting ourselves in the foot. Um, and then just consistently doing your job. Um, that will be ultimately the, the 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 tell on on some of those new guys because I mean that's how you get in the mix. You got to go out and execute stuff. So, so all right. Thank Chris, you, Tony.
2: Chris, you good with everything? We're gonna let I'm him get good. out of here. All right. Yeah. all right. Yeah. All right. This has been on the bench. Tony Tokar's FSU quarterback coach has joined us. Tony, thank you so much for joining us for having some fun with us. We we really appreciate the time, man.
1: I appreciate it. Y'all have a good day. Go knows. Go knows. Thank you, Tony. We'll see it.